All right, and we are live. Welcome into Short Yardage, presented by For Fancy's Sake. I'm Michael Sicoli. I'm here with Nick uh, Grawl, who I just talked to about saying the name right, and I think I butchered it. How are you doing today? You're good. I tell the kids, I'm a middle school science teacher, I tell the kids, like, grr, like a bear, and then the word all, so grawl. You nailed it. Short pause, but you still nailed it. Good to be here. It's all about the recovery. That's really what I was going for. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, no, it's awesome to be back. You know, we got mini camp starting up. We have our second show of the year and many more to come. And we have plenty of news thanks to mini camp. So what do you want to get into first? Well, first of all, I want to say, yeah, really excited for uh, mini camp. I got the mustache staying for all, all of August. Um, I don't know why yet, but uh, just feels right, especially because I'm going to be on camera here uh, doing this podcast with you throughout the, the month. Um, going to try and keep it weekly, but also layer in maybe some emergency pods when we need them. Uh, we'll be dynamic with that. Also wearing the kimono today. This is the the kimono that I wear while I code. Um, and uh, the reason I'm wearing it while um, I'm on here with you today is uh, we're going to take a look a, a, under the hood. And I'm going to show you some, uh, some stuff that's going to drop in our draft guide uh, early next week. So um, excited to get started. Um, yeah, let's jump right in. Yeah, and before we get into the news, you know, we got a great slate today. We have the Aaron Rodgers debacle. We have some buy-sell again, you know, with some great training camp headlines, a little bit more fresh. And we have, you know, the tier base, the under-the-hood third part that we always get, you know, love to get into. But I want to run by a dynasty trade to you. You know, we're still in that season, still July, barely. But I was wondering, as a Cam Akers owner, I, I got approached with this offer. I have Zach Moss, who's currently my RB3. Um... It's not great. It's a contend. It's a contending team, but fresh out of a rebuild. So, would you send Zach Moss and a twenty twenty three third for? Oh my goodness! Zach Moss and a twenty twenty three third for Nico Collins and a twenty twenty three second. Yeah, I think uh, especially because it it seems like I don't know maybe Hertz is going to end up uh, in in Houston. Uh, Deshaun Watson's there now, so the arrow's up on Nico Collins. Uh, you're just kind of collecting a little bit of draft capital there. It makes sense to me. Uh, shipping off Zach Moss, I think people are high on him, but I don't really think you want to be invested in that backfield right now. Um, but, yeah, it seems fine. Um, I, I would note that, like, this is the time to capitalize on, like, like we really want to kind of ignore a lot of the stuff coming out of camp, but if people aren't in your league and they are reacting to it, you, you it's a really good time to be, to be buying and selling um, in dynasty right now. So that's, that's kind of how I would play it where like, I don't take it seriously um, for the most part, but, but if, if people in your leagues are like definitely, definitely um, uh, leverage that. Yeah, so getting a little Zach Moss hype out of camp, a little bit of Nico Collins hype out of camp. So we're just trying to trade in hype for hype there. So I'm all in. Yeah, no, and I think right there is 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 exactly why I brought it up. Exactly why I want to bring it up. Um, is for especially for those contending dynasty teams. You can flip, you can flip someone who's getting hype for a 23 pick and get tremendous value, especially for that 2023 class, which, if you are not aware, is going to be a stellar group. Um, yeah. that's a very strong group all around. So that's a good class to buy right now with the picks are low. Um, so yeah, maybe I'll, maybe I'll send that over. Um, but all right, let's get into the meat. All right. First segment, Aaron Rodgers returns to camp after months. It feels like of just 
you know, is he going to be there? Is he not? Are we going to see the Jordan of Love era start? Is he going to be traded? Is he going to retire? The MVP's back, and that has huge ramifications. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, that whole saga, it just seemed kind of orchestrated from the start by Rodgers. I think he uh, did kind of want to test the market a little bit. Um, it doesn't really seem it was it was about money. It was about control, about power. Um, and it seems like he got what he wanted. We'll talk a little bit about Randall Cobb in a minute, but, um, obviously Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, they all move up in the, into the first round where they should be. Um, Aaron Jones on the fringe, but I mean, if you're taking an RB early, I, I, I don't know that you can do better than him. Um, he's got a little bit of less volume than your, than your true workhorses, but Jamal Williams is gone, taking a lot of uh, targets with him or leaving a lot of targets behind, rather. Uh, we're not really sure if A.J. Dillon can catch passes or not because he never really did in college. But Boston College was just like a run-the-ball-down-your-throat team, so he might surprise us this year. But still, I mean, I think they're going to lean on him on passing downs, two-minute drill, four-minute drill, where we make our money. Uh, Tanyan is back in play heavily. Um, Alan Lazard, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Um, quick shout out, pour one out for our boy Amari Rogers. He's probably going to have to wait a year and, and, uh, learn behind Randall Cobb. I thought he was going to kind of step into that role, but Aaron Rodgers is in love with his boy, Randall Cobb. And it is kind of awesome. I mean, he's, he's like, that's his one guy, Randall Cobb, bring, bringing the boys back together for, for one more go. Kind of cool. But where is Aaron Rodgers going to go? Um, like I said, I think all of those, those pieces should move up in ADP and that's justified. Um, I think I'm still buying them at their elevated cost. Um, however, with Rodgers, um, he's got touchdown regression on the way. Um, I think he, about two years ago, we kind of were a little early on writing him off uh, on the age model, on him kind of kind of phasing out as a 37-year-old quarterback. 30, yeah, 37-year-old quarterback. He's 38. He's not getting any younger, but I don't view that as the problem. I think he'll still be productive, but he only threw for about 4,000 yards and had a ton of touchdowns. So, he had an elevated touchdown rate last year that should come down and he's going to go right there, probably around Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert. And honestly, give me those two guys over him because I think, um, I think we haven't really seen their ceiling yet. Whereas last year we kind of saw um, an outlier year for Aaron Rodgers on touchdowns. So um, I think that's due for a little bit of a, a regression. Yeah. Yeah. And, and regression is the name of the game because you know, if you see that coming, you're avoiding the price and, I, I, Aaron Rodgers is going to have a fantastic season. He, like, unlike, um, you know, I'm just like last year, he has a chip on his shoulder. He's going to be great. But bringing up the regression point, he had the lowest amount of attempts passing wise, with the exception of 2017 when he was hurt, since 2014. That, but he just all simultaneously put up the most amount of touchdowns he scored in a very, very long time. So there, there, there's a lot of things to be concerned about. And that, now, the biggest winner from Aaron Rodgers' comeback has to be Aaron Jones to me. Aaron Jones is catapulted into RB1 territory, whereas he would have been a middling low-end running back, too, that I am not touching um, with the timeshare of A.J. Dillon. But, you know, the dump-downs are going to be there for Aaron Jones. The wheel routes are going to be there for Aaron Jones. And, the you know, the goal line carries will be as well, even if he splits it with A.J. Dillon. Um, Robert Tunyon's back in the conversation as a – stream-worthy, touchdown-dependent tight end, you know, again, might even be a bigger winner of he's not he's not in fantasy, fantasy consideration if it's Jordan Love. Um, 
But as for drafting Aaron Rodgers, obviously his ADP is all over the place. You cannot, you can't put a beat on it with all the news. Um, but currently he's going in the sixth round, which I'm sure he'll bump up to, let's say, early fifth. Um, where are you taking him there? Are you taking him in the mid fifth at uh, about probably around QB six range is what he's going to be going for? Yeah, like I said, I mean, so his career touchdown rate, his career touchdown percentage is 6.3%. Um, league average is about four and a half. Yeah. So he, I mean, obviously an above average quarterback. Um, he was, he was league average or even slightly below in 2018, 2019, 2020, 9.1% touchdown rate. There's not a single quarterback in the history of the NFL that has that sustainably. He, um, hit that, um, he hit that mark 9% in 2011. Next year it would drop down to 7.1. That's that takes you from 45 touchdowns to 39 touchdowns, um, which again, that those points add up. Now I bring that up because I'm not targeting Aaron Rodgers because I don't think like, unless you are running quarterback in today's NFL, you got to have one of those outlier touchdown seasons. So um, I'm kind of banking on him kind of coming back down to earth on those touchdowns, which at, at the fifth round price tag, he's going to need, 45 plus touchdowns to pay that off. I think Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow are more likely to pay off a, a price tag like that. Um, just from sheer volume, um, alone. And, um, I think Justin Herbert's, uh, I think he's going to have a really efficient season with Joe Lombardi. Um, but think about it this way, all those rushing quarterbacks there that might be going a little bit before him, um, or even after him fifth round is so crazy, but, um, yeah. if they get 50 rushing yards, that's five points right there. And it's in a, in a league that's um, like in a standard league. Uh, and so like every game they're getting an extra touchdown on Aaron Rodgers. And again, in order to keep up with that, he has to really outpace them with, with touchdowns in the air. So um, I'm out on Aaron Rodgers at his price. Uh, luckily for me, I know everyone wants to hear this. I was all over him all summer in best ball. So that's where my shares of him are because yeah, the Sims and- don't have Twitter. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, I think, and I don't think the, you know, the sixth round trade to get Randall Cobb is going to be helping those touchdown numbers, nor anything else. Uh, Randall Cobb will be a real life asset. He might have a PPR game here and there, but it's not going to be predictable. Let's talk about that though. Let's, let's talk about Randall Cobb. Cause I, I was, so today I was at a summer camp yeah. with a bunch of middle schoolers and I was thinking on a bus, I was like, what, what do we think about this Randall Cobb deal? Right now, is he washed? Certainly. Um, how do I know? I mean, he really hasn't produced in some change. I mean, he kind of did okay with the Cowboys, but I think we do need to pay attention to the guy who has the ball on every play. If he really yeah. likes somebody, I, I think that I don't think his ADP is going to get out of control. I think a lot of people are going to big brain this and decide that no, no, no. If I don't like Randall Cobb. So it doesn't matter if Aaron Rodgers, he has the ball and he is in, he literally in charge of who gets it. So if they're down at the five and, and uh, Devontae Adams has uh, the entire defense looking his way, um, Aaron Rodgers knows that. And he trusts his guy because trust is such a big thing with Aaron Rodgers on all aspects of his life. What a lunatic. But um, <laughs> he I, I could see Randall Cobb having like a little spike year in touchdowns. Cause I mean, it doesn't matter how washed you are. If, if, uh, if you got Devontae Adams on the other side of the field. So I think, I, I think he's worth a flyer and what's his ADP right now. 
I can't imagine he's being drafted because it's still, it has it definitely hasn't adjusted. Um, I could look it up right now, but uh, yeah, he's the 345th player off the board. The wide receiver 110. Obviously, mm-hmm. that will go up. My, my my biggest issue is where you're going to take him. You're going to take him those double digit rounds. I don't see any upside. I don't. I see like maybe he's a bye week filler. Maybe he can get you 10 to 12 points. Randall Cobb has never been a big touchdown scorer. Um, and I I just don't think that Randall Cobb is going to be the guy that gets you know it, it's is who I want to take my late round shot on. I could see myself if I have an injury and then another injury, and I want to plug and play. You know, get my eight to ten points of six catches for forty-five yards, and maybe he gets in the end zone. That's yeah, that maybe maybe that's Randall Cobb, but I don't think he has the upside to draft right now. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm thinking like a, a end of your bench stash. Let's see, in Houston last year, he played ten games, forty-eight targets, thirty-eight receptions. Just a, a really underwhelming year. Year before that, eight hundred twenty-eight yards with the Cowboys. Um, he has going on age 31. Yeah. Going on age 31. I mean, I think he's, he's worth a stash because Aaron Wright Rogers likes him and he might, he might score 10 touchdowns. I don't know. Something like that. Sure. Um, do you remember James Jones? Oh, I love James Jones. Yeah. James Jones, James Jones was a beast on the Packers, but yeah, James Jones was an outside receiver. Uh, Randall Cobb being in the slot is another thing weighing against him. Like he hasn't scored. It's eerie. He was with Green Bay, went to Oakland for a year, and his age 31 season came back to Green Bay, had 800 yards, 99 t- targets, and 50 receptions. I'm just saying. I'm just, we've been through this before. James <laughs> Jones was a, was, a, was a big-time asset that year. That's a take, okay. buddy. That's a take. I think, I think James Jones had more left on the tires than Randall Cobb did. But, you know, I think we're splitting hairs of maybe you take a chance on the aging vet. You know, his, he, at the end of the day, he won't cost you anything. If you're wrong, you cut him. Um, if you're right, you sell them on this narrative that we're telling you right now. Um, so yeah, uh, I think we get on into buy or sell, which was great last week and I can't wait to get it again. So on Tuesday, Chase Edmonds said, and this was this, this, this went a little bit viral on Twitter, a lovely quote of that. He has both bulked up and slimmed down this off season. So he weighed in at 210 last year. He told people that he was 205 right now. So I'm gonna take the side of slimming down. So what are you what are you making of that news? I just think it's hilarious. I mean, <laughs> he's literally slim thick right now. You know, um, <laughs> I guess the he was trying to communicate that he he really took care of his body, which I mean, he did drop drop weight, and that that has correlated in a very very small sample with uh, uh, success. Running backs improving, yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, it's like the type of idea like. Everything is uh, everyone's so optimistic right now. All the beat writers are um, in the in the bleachers, just just throwing out optimism, hopium. We call it in the biz. Um, I don't know what biz, but we call it hopium. <laughs> um, but I mean, I, I'm into Chase Edmonds. I, I didn't need to see this. Um, if this is going to affect his ADP, whatever. But I think it's like so funny that it probably won't. But yeah, I'm into Chase Edmonds um, for sure. Uh, so I guess I buy it, even though it's ridiculous. Let, let me throw this out here. Do you think he outcarries James Conner, who was signed to, for anyone who wasn't following this offseason, the Cardinals did sign James Conner to a one-year, just 1.75, but fully guaranteed million-dollar deal? Do I think he outcarries him? Um, 
because I was doing my, I, I started doing my projections yesterday, my staff for staff projections. I, uh, I mentioned to you before the show and yeah. I, it's something I'm going to fiddle with, but I'm, I'm giving them a 50, 50, a slight edge to Edmonds right now. Um, who's who I, I gave Edmonds 185 carries. I gave James Conner 170 through a 17 game pace, which was about 11 per game. Yeah. Um, so it kind of depends on how they divvy up these Kenyon Drake carries. Kenyon Drake had 239 yeah. carries last year. That it's is interesting because that's a lot of carries, but thought. they also, yeah, they gave it to one guy, which I don't think they can do with James Conner. And I don't think they can do with James, Chase Evans. I don't think either of them can do that. So if they, I think they'll cut it and just yeah. be situationally based around the field. James Conner maybe gets red zone work and then Chase Evans is there the rest of the way. Yeah, 67 targets last year for Edmonds. We'd like to see that. I think that's kind of yeah. like – that's the usage that's I care about. Butter. I don't care. I don't care at all about the between the 20s stuff. I care that Chase Edmonds is going to be the third down back. I care that Chase Edmonds is, is going to be there in four-minute and two-minute drills. Um, those are the valuable times that we want. And I, I do think that they'll, they'll probably split the carries now. It's going to be, um, it's going to be kind of a, uh, a competition to see who can stay healthy. And yeah, I just honestly, like, I never want to invest in both. I never want to invest in both uh, backs. I like, cause you need to have conviction um, on one or the other to, because if you're going to draft James Conner and Chase Edmonds, you're limiting your upside of your entire lineup. That's just my opinion. I agree. So you have to take a stance on one of these, and I'm going to side with ADP. Chase Edmonds is the one going earlier. I'm going to take the wisdom of the crowd approach here and just kind of kind of ride with Chase Edmonds. I think he's he's the one that's going to get it done and be the more valuable guy in that backfield. So a quick – let's call – let's adjust this bias all right here. So quick, Chase Edmonds in the back of the fifth, James Conner in the beginning of the eighth. Three-round difference, who are you taking? Because I, I'm taking Edmonds, personally. Unless I'm taking a receiver there, which I'd much rather do, but – yeah, I mean, that's, that's a little too decision. that's that's a that's a little too rich for Edmonds, to be honest with you. Yeah, he has it it's definitely rich. I feel like I, mean, I need him to drop like one more round before I'm like loving that. Um, that's a tough one though. Um, I will say this: I mean, I guess if I miss out on Edmonds and Connor's there in the eighth, like I don't hate that at all. Yeah, that's a tough one for me. Um, yeah, it's a good zero RB target, at least for uh, James Conner. That is. Yeah, I guess like the build, taking Edmonds, like you're taking Edmonds as your first running back. I if already want to. I, yeah. I want if I'm I'm full I'm fully on board with taking Edmonds if I have four stud wide receivers already. Or three and like a Kelsey or Kittle or Waller type of thing, maybe. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, I no, actually, I, I'm back I, in. I I'm, I'm back in. I'm back in. <laughs> I'm taking Edmonds. I'm taking Edmonds in the fifth after starting with Diggs, uh, Ridley. I don't know. Whoever I can get my hands on. Whoever going to let me have because the running back thirst is real. No, yeah, I, I love him. I got him my dynasty team. So that will definitely be – his ADP and, and James Connors will be interesting to track as it goes forward. Yeah. Um, so our next up, next up we got Kyle Shannon said that there's no quarterback competition and Jimmy Garoppolo is the team starter. Do we buy? Do we sell that? Or is this something we thought all along? Yeah, I mean, uh, this is another one. Like, 
I'm going to, I love Trey Lance. I'm a Trey Lance stan. So I'm going to choose to say that this is a motivational tactic. Like you can take these headlines any way you want. Right. So I'm going to choose to say that this is uh, Kyle Shanahan um, kind of patting the ego of Jimmy Garoppolo um, and giving him a shot in camp as the incumbent and making the rookie work for it. But I mean, it makes sense. I mean, he has one year of college production where he just yeah. absolutely shined with, uh, what was it, 35 touchdowns, zero interceptions. Um, he threw his first interception or whatever uh, in like the, the senior game. Or, or no, that one-off game during the COVID year, um, which yeah. seems like it was yeah. 10 years ago, but it was literally last season. But um, anyway, I don't – it's a lot of fluff. I'm selling that. I mean, you don't invest what they invested in a player. And, I mean, we might not see him week one. I get that, but I'm not drafting Trey Lance and depending on him to be my starter week one. I'm pairing yeah. him with Baker Mayfield, Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, these guys who are literally free and um, just biding my time so that Trey Lance can come through like Lamar Jackson his rookie year and just absolutely smash in the playoffs. Yeah. See, this, with this fresh is fresh legs. Fresh legs. And I, to be end in a longer season as well. But this is actually something I, I've been buying. I've been saying it all offseason. I. Listen, they invested the world and then, you know, an arm and a leg on top to get Trey Lance. That is true. But we have also seen team – we saw – I hate to bring it up because everyone did, but Patrick Mahomes. They traded everything to get Patrick Mahomes. They, they rested him. And they had a capable quarterback in front of him. And say what you want about Jimmy G, but they win with Jimmy G. The, Jim, Jim Garoppolo is 22-8 and eight as a starter in San Francisco. They're going to roll him out there until his ankle falls off. And then maybe we see Trey Lance, who's going to be – a fantasy darling who has potential to rush for a thousand yards as a quarterback. Can't wait. But I mean, it's, this is something I buy. I, I thought Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the start of the entire offseason. I think there's still a world. We don't see Trey Lance if this team wins. Um, I think there's a lot of similarities to the Kansas city chiefs of Mahomes' rookie year to add to this 49ers team, which is a lot better than it was like a lot better than people give it credit for. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people like to bring up the, a lot of teams, a lot of teams want to do the Alex Smith, Patrick Mahomes model, which is just such a unique situation where Alex Smith yes, was absolutely. still very good at yes. the time and a perfect fit for Andy Reid's system at the time. Whereas, like, that's the exception and not the rule. Everybody wants yes. to let their their veteran ride off into the sunset after drafting a high rookie, but very, very rarely does that pan out. Because yeah. you have a bad game. Um, the one thing I will say, the 49ers schedule is laughable. It is so weak. So Jimmy G, will, yeah. Jimmy G will probably have some success early. Um, it's just when it comes down to it, Shanahan hasn't, hasn't really ever won the big one. And he's yeah. tried it with Jimmy G. And um, – all I'm saying is all it takes is one bad loss before the bye, and we're going to see Trey Lance after the bye. I hope they don't no, do that's, that's I hope possible. they don't do what, what Miami did to Tua, though. That would be devastating. Enforce it. I think that would be bad as well. And, and for whatever it's worth, I, I agree. The, the KC thing is – and last point, but KC thing is an outlier. But I think that there's a lot of similarities there. Like I would never say that the Bears should be starting Andy Dalton right now. This is not a situation where you need to – Sit just Justin Fields. You can throw Justin Fields out. Justin Fields can take care of that. You don't need to wait on Justin Fields. Let's see what you got. He's much better than Andy Dalton. But yeah, yeah. so we can we'll, let's move on to the next one, which we saw. There were a few reports out of Denver. Um, you know, and 
start of the week, you know, wishy-washy, and now Aaron Rodgers is confirmed to stay. So the the vibes out of Denver right now are not great. But Corlin Sutton has been cleared for the beginning of camp, but he is on a rep. Uh, he, his reps are managed, which Sutton kind of disputed. But, you know, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm taking Vic Fangio there. Um, and meanwhile, Drew Locke's taking first-team reps. The competition's still going. And I also saw some positive reports about Jerry Judy being a dynamic out there. Um, but once again, Denver is Denver's a bit of a enigma right now. Yeah. I mean, what, what are we doing here in Denver? Like, <laughs> what, like Drew Locke stinks. I'm sorry. Yeah. He stinks. Um, however, I think he's getting a little bit of grace uh, for a weird year, right? Because last year was the prove it year for Drew Locke. They didn't draft Justin Fields when they had the chance. Mistake. But I do think that they're going to give him a chance with Sutton, Judy, Fant, Javante, um, Williams, uh, Melvin Gordon. I mean, KJ Hamler. I mean, he, he has all the weapons in the world. But, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, he stinks. And he's going to sail one to Sutton wide open in the end zone. And you're going to see Teddy Bridgewater, who coaches love, because he manages the game. He manages the clock. He plays with structure. He stays on schedule, you know, like all of those football guy things. And um, that team is good enough to do well with the game manager. You know, I think their defense is going to be good. Um, I really don't have a good reason why I think their defense is going to be good other than uh, other than that historically they're good and they have some good playmakers. Um, but um, one, one way that I kind of view defense is uh, uh, is – how much money they have invested in their defense and Denver is, is near the top of the list there. Um, and yeah, I mean, I just, it would be a shame for this team to turn into a game managed defense wins championships team when they just have so many young flashy players. So, I mean, Teddy Bridgewater did fine last year in Carolina with some, with some pretty good receivers and I don't know. Drew lots yeah, time, I guess. Yeah, and I, I do think we'll see Drew Locke to start the season. I think they'll try him out and then immediately realize that Teddy Bridgewater is a much better quarterback, and we'll see Teddy Bridgewater. And Teddy Bridgewater produced three 1,000-yard wide, uh, wide receivers last year. That's – I mean, none of them score touchdowns um, because Teddy Bridgewater can't complete drives. But at the end of the day, which Brenrick Manus might be a buy, um, but um, at the end of the day – talented receivers end up catching the ball and assuming Jerry Judy can actually do that. There's, there's going to be week to week value with these two and Teddy Bridgewater can supply that. Um, the ceiling is what's limited by this quarterback competition. Um, and to touch on Sutton's ACL, I think we both expect him to be a hundred percent for week one. We might even see him in the preseason. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think that's honestly all I want to say on Denver. Yeah. Yeah. Let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we got some Saquon Barkley news that we thought about bringing up last week, but we had some more touch-ups. Uh, ESPN's Jordan Randon reported that Saquon Barkley and the Giants, they're taking a long-term approach, which kind of – it's something I buy. It's something that adds up with everything Saquon said. He's been reluctant to commit to starting the season. He's been reluctant to training camp. He's been reluctant to preseason. And I, I – I, this is what happens when you get the surgery a month after like Saquon Barkley did not get the surgery for his injury, which was severe. It was more than just an ACL tear. He also tore it PCL 
and I think one other thing in there in his knee. Um, he didn't get it until a month after the injury. He got he got injured in week two. He got the injury mid to late October. That delayed his recovery, and we're feeling that the effects of that now. We might see him week one, but it's it's time to consider that he's not he's not going to be ready for week one. I um, I'm selling everything you just said. I'm selling <laughs> everything in this headline um, because uh, the reason why they delayed it a month is medically um, that. Uh, reduces the uh, chance that there's a, a, a flare-up, a, a bad recovery, a re-tear. Um, so that was that was like a calculated move that that actually will increase his chances of being good this year. There's another headline, which for some reason this, the, the Barkley haters are strong, and there apparently are many. Um, and no, they, don't, wait, wait, they, let, let, don't don't phrase me as I, I just want to clarify. I oh, I'm not lumping you into Barkley. that group. If okay. anything, just if wanted. anything, you just didn't go to med school, which I guess that's on you. But um, I didn't go to med school either. But I uh, I follow some people that do, and they 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 said it's a good thing that he waited a month. Um, but um, the Barkley haters, of which there are many, um, have stifled the news that they're actually going to um kind of ramp him up ten days before the beginning of the season, which to me does not indicate that they're taking a quote-unquote long-term approach. The writing on the wall is on the wall for Jason Garrett. The, the, writing, on the, wall is on, is, is, the writing is on the wall for Joe Judge. You're going to tell me that week one, if they're down two touchdowns at, at halftime, that they're going to trot Devontae Booker out there again? Like, come on. And I, I look at it this way. Like, it's not going to last more than a game, easing him in. Right. Sure. So is Saquon Barkley more likely to go in the first round next year? Let's say he stays healthy or um, the third round. Way more first likely round. to go in the first. He's going to finish yeah. strong, which is what you want your fantasy players to do. And yeah, I mean, injury risk is there, but it's there for every back that gets 300 plus touches, 250 plus touches. I'm not scared about, about off by it. If anything, I'm glad that it's going to keep his ADP down. If I can get Barkley at like seven, eight, nine, like, that's cheating. Sure. That's cheating. No, and I, I'll, I'll take him there. But when I'm considering him, at, we own the top five. And I have to consider that he's not going to be out there at full strength in week one. That's that's scary to me. Um, when I'm spending, you know, we talked about it as well. I don't like, I, I mentioned it last week, I don't like investing risk in my first round pick. And Saquon Barkley, as talented as he is and as ready as he should be, he carries that risk being a part of the Giants and being a you know, coming off this injury where I think he's going to be eased in. I don't think we see him in minicamp. We won't see him in the preseason games. And if he's being trotted out, you know, a few days before the game, um, the writing's not on the wall for Joe Judge. I think that they're, they're very happy with Joe Judge. It's on the wall for Jason Garrett, but Jason Garrett does not have control of personnel. Um, if they want to ease uh, Saquon in, which I think – I don't even think it's a matter of want. I think they're going to have to. I think, I think we're going to start seeing him – start off slow and heat up as it goes, which I'll still take my first round pick on him, but I'm going to want him to take him around the seven, eight range now. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can see why. I mean, the, the answer as always is just take a wide receiver in the first round and uh, move on from there. But the, the people, the people aren't ready for that yet. Um, one day, one day they'll catch up. All right. <laughs> and, we'll, and for our last, last headline for buy sell, we're going to, Touch back to Los Angeles like we did last week with Daryl Henderson, who is now slated to be the three-down workhorse for the Rams. And Sean McVay called him an every-down back 
And then he said that he needs to stay durable, which is the other part of what we've been saying. This is this is just a clear buy to me. This is everything and more. Um, and everything that suggests to me, which I'm not sure if I had time to bring up last week, that they're going to bring in someone. I don't care that they said that they're not going to. That's because the crop right now is terrible. When cuts come around and let's say Damian Williams doesn't make the roster for the Bears, Damian Williams is going to find himself as a Ram. Or someone somewhere, Melvin Gordon is a surprise cut. Someone's going to get signed because they can't – They and McVay just said it. They can't trust Daryl Henderson. And I don't think they're ready to go into this year after investing everything they had in Stafford. Um, they're, they're trying to win. They are ready to win. This is a ready-to-win team. They're going to find someone on the wire. They're going to find someone through trade. I don't think – unless Xavier Jones and Jake Funk show something huge in the preseason games – I think they're going to add someone, and that makes Daryl Henderson a very scary, a scary gamble. Yeah, but I mean, where you're taking him, right? Like, let's go back to Barkley. Like, I, I was a little tongue in cheek there with saying just take a wide receiver in the first round, but like, like I said, like, I love, I love a team where I just hammer wide receivers for the fourth four rounds, grab my, uh, grab a Kelsey Wall or whatever, uh, Kittle, and then. I'm completely fine with with riding with my my RB1 and RB2 to start the year with Chase Edmonds and Daryl Henderson. And that will make some people queasy. But the opportunity cost there is, okay, I'm going to miss out on Odell Beckham Jr. I'm going to miss out on a couple solid receivers. I already have my four, right? I'm going to rely on them to, like, carry my team. And then let's say Daryl Henderson gives me eight good weeks and then goes down with a, with a, a high ankle sprain. I'll just plug and play. And I mean, obviously there's going to be someone on the Rams I can pick up, right? Just play the waiver wire, especially fab. I'm just going to be aggressive on running backs with my fab. Like, I mean, I just think that that's, that's the strategy this year. Cause there is, there are a lot of question marks in this first round um, at running back, a lot of red flags. Um, let's just yeah. go Christian McCaffrey. Can, is, is he now injury prone? Dalvin cook last year was the first year that he kind of stayed healthy. Derrick Henry. They are quarterbacks. Yeah, Derrick Henry. That that defense is atrocious. Are they going to be able to establish it? Alvin Kamara. What the heck is going on in New Orleans right now? Jonathan Taylor. Is he going to get passed downward? I can keep going, right? Yeah. But these are these are just the first five players off the board in PPR leagues, and I don't get it. I do not get it. Stephon Diggs gets an offseason with the love of his life, Josh Allen. He's the best route runner in a generation outside of Antonio Brown, and he's going – what seven overall, eight overall? Like we're going, we're going to dedicate a whole segment next week to a zero RB versus a RB heavy approach. All right, we're going to do that. Okay, so I know yeah, I'm, get, I'm getting off tangent. I'm getting off. I'm getting off the tangent. Daryl Henderson. Let's get back to him. I think he's a great bet where he's going. <laughs> I can, I can, I can even do with his like. Where, where's Chase, Chase Edmonds here? Chase Edmonds. Chase Edmonds is in the fifth, and uh, Daryl Henderson is in the sixth. So that is a realistic. What you said there, I'm not gonna lie, it did sway me a little bit. Where if I could start my draft with four great wide receivers slash tight end, maybe even a, a Lamar Jackson if I'm feeling it, um, and I what's it called? And then I could come around and take Chase Edmonds and Daryl Henderson back to back. I can see myself liking that. My my biggest worry is that Henderson doesn't last eight games. Mm -hmm. And maybe that handcuff, it's not clear, or someone else already owns him. Maybe someone's been stashing him. And if I can't get that backup, running backs can be hard. Like We're going to disagree on running backs can be hard to find, but burning a six-round pick on someone who maybe he's out there, maybe he's not. Maybe he's out there and he's injured, but so he's not truly out there. 
it's it's a little mm-hmm. bit worrisome to me. A six-round yeah. pick is not nothing. There are wide receivers I like in the sixth round. Oh, definitely. You still got, like, Claypool there. I know you're, you're yeah. a big Claypool guy. Steelers yeah, Nation stand up. It's going to be a rough year. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, we need to get into that uh, that that, uh, that debate. That'll be a good one. Yeah, we do. Oh, my God, the Steelers this year. We are both, again, we are both Steelers fans, and we both, I think, are very pessimistic about our team right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So let's move on to the under the hood segment that you, you know, mentioned. I'm sure everyone, you know, I have people, people have waiting for this. And I strongly suggest that you check this out on YouTube. Um, you know, get, get the data eyes on it, you know, instead of just viewing it through the podcast, but let's, let's see what you got. All right. So um, I'm going to give you a look at the code here. Um, we're not going to go into detail because again, um, I'm the nerd. The whole, the whole reason I'm here, so you don't have to worry about this stuff. I got you covered. Um, but I did want to show you um, some data viz here. Um, this is uh, what you're looking at right now. And I'll describe it for those little audio description of, uh, of coding, which is always a good time. But um, oh yeah, I essentially ran a, it's called a clustering algorithm, which um, is pretty common. I didn't invent it, obviously. Um, but there's a website called borischen.co. Um, really great resource throughout the season. I'll link it in the article that I'm writing for this tiers, um, um, chart that I have, um, that's going to be in the draft guide. That's going to drop early next week. Boom. There's a plug. Um, we're really getting good at this, Mike. Let's go. Um, but anyway, seamless. So, um, what, what Boris Chen does is he, um, he will do the fantasy pros expert consensus rankings. Um, he aggregates them. Well, Fantasy Pros aggregates them. But then individually, he kind of looks at the standard deviation, which is basically the difference between the highest rank and the lowest rank, right? And in his graph, that's what these, um, the, the middle point here is the, um, the average. And then the, the bars, which are called like error bars, standard deviation bars, um, this would be the high, this would be the low, okay? And what I did was I took a wisdom of the crowd approach, which let's, let's take a step back here. Um, my whole approach to fantasy football is leveraging wisdom of the crowd for the most part. And the reason is, is we have, as human beings, have an incredible ability to estimate um, specific numbers um, in large crowds. So a classic example is um, there's like a carnival and there's this big um, bowl, like a, like a cow, um, and uh, you win a prize if you guess the correct weight. Um, this experiment's been done many, many times and at, and any one individual guess is going to be pretty far off, but the average of like, let's say a large number of people, 300, 500, a thousand people will literally get within like a 10th of the actual weight. It's amazing. Um, so what I'm doing is as I, my whole approach is the more data I can bring in to aggregate, the closer I think I'll get to what the, the specific amount of fantasy points that these people are going to score. So what this is, is um, it is a average of all the expert consensus rankings for preseason projections. It is um, an average of ADP across not just like Yahoo, Sleeper, across every major platform. And it is an average of um, value over replacement ranking. So it's three um, pretty pretty significant um, sources. It's about 50 experts, 20 years of NFL data, and um, about 10 fantasy football websites that each have thousands and thousands of people um, making estimates when they draft players. And uh, 
essentially when you draft a player as a collective, you're ranking them, right? So I'm taking all that, plugging it into this algorithm, and then it's clustering them into tiers. So um, I'm going to write a whole article kind of rehashing that. Um, for those of you listening at home, what I'm looking at here is um, it's a list of every single player that's relevant in a 12-team uh, league with 16 um, roster spots. So the last player on the list is Josh Kelly, Donald Parham, Jimmy Graham, Deshaun Jackson. Um, tier one is Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Travis Kelsey, Alvin Kamara, Devontae Adams, right? So these are just essentially ranks, okay? And um, what it's done is it, it has color-coded the tiers. So um, like I said, tier one is Derrick Henry, Devontae Adams, Alvin Kamara, Travis Kelsey, Dalvin Cook, Christian McCaffrey. It's saying that those five players will give you the most points over the um, the 12th player, or sorry, the last starter in that league, essentially, give or take. Um, and these error bars kind of give us a range of outcomes. So um, the way you want to use this is um, I'm going to put it in a spreadsheet so it's a little cleaner. But you want to you want you want very little narrow arrow bars um, in your early picks because you want you want safety. Okay. Um, the uh, the ADP has already done the work for us here. These are these are players with high upside already. We don't need to get more upside out of them. The upside is baked in. Whereas you get into these middle rounds, right? This is where we make our money. Okay. So you want to be targeting players that that have arrow bars that are wide, right? Both downside and upside. Okay. We don't like we don't want to finish sixth. We don't want to finish fifth. Right. We want to finish play to win. get our money back or even win the league, you know? So I'm taking, I'm taking chances on, um, on players like a chase Edmonds. There we go. Popping in the model. Right. Um, where he, he could be another tier or even two, um, above where, where this algorithm has them and it has that kind of baked into it. So again, it's really hard, um, to kind of explain this, but the, the beta viz is kind of cool. Um, uh, as you see, as you get into later rounds, the arrow bars get wider, which is, um, which is fine. Um, but I don't want, I don't want narrow er error bars in my, in my late round picks. So like a Marvin Jones, like I know what I'm going to get out of him and it's not going to be a league winner, right? Where, um, zero RB, uh, God himself, James White, like he could be an RB two and he's going real late in drafts, right? Um, a Nicole Hardman, um, and Gus Edwards popping in the model. Let's go. Like these are exciting players. Miko Hardman's a fun one, but, um, but yeah, I'll, uh, I'll plug these in. Um, I mean, the, I'm still working on the, just a, this a heads up. I'm still learning like the data viz of this, like the code and stuff. I have a pretty good handle on, but as you can see, if I, if I go down here, the arrow bars are not lining up with the players. We got a little bit of mess here. I'm really showing you what's under the hood for real. Under the but, hood. Uh, uh, but yeah. it's interesting. It says there's a huge drop off here from AJ Brown to Allen Robinson. That makes sense to me. You know, like this yeah. is your, this is your elite tier. And then we have kind of like your players that could get there, but right now they're, they're not, they're not quite there yet, but, but yeah. And this, what do you think? What's yeah. your, what's your approach for tier based drafting, Mike? See, and uh, my biggest point is that tier based drafting is the way you want to go. You know, to, the days of, you know, you take your top 200 big board players, the days of that, when you look at Matthew Barry and say, you know, this is the next guy up, those days should be done. Those days were, those days were back when you were in high school and you were just playing for, you know, you were just, we're still playing for fun, but we were playing a little bit more knowledgeable here if you're tuning in. So the tier-based drafting, this is the mindset, right? Where I'm in the back of the first round 
And all of a sudden, Nick Chubb's there. I love Nick Chubb. But Nick Chubb is a tier two running back. He's not in the group of the McCaffrey's, the Cooks, the Henry's, the if we include Saquon in there, he's in the Kamaras. He's not in that tier. All of a sudden, I'm Can I interrupt you I, for a second? Can I interrupt? I'm sorry. Are you, you're sitting down, right? Nick I Chubb's actually that. tier three, according to The Sims. Tier yeah, well, three. You can, according oh, to The Sims. The you Sims, hate, you can, you hate Nick Chubb is it. fantastic. Nick Chubb is a very strong tier two running back, as I was saying. Mm-hmm. Pure talent, whatever. But um, Nick Chubb is great. He's a great player. Great fantasy pick, in my opinion. But you could sit there and you could take a tier one wide receiver. You could take a Stephon Diggs. You can take a normally Michael Thomas, a DeAndre Hopkins. You can take a tier one wide receiver and then come back at the at the you know the the second round, whether you're top or bottom, and take the bottom of the tier two running backs. It's the thing about tiers is that they're not too far apart within it. Your goal is to group players together and then take the value as it goes. You're taking the top of each tier. Now that doesn't apply to all positions where you might see a quarterback and say, wow, Patrick Mahomes is a tier one quarterback. He's still there in the second round. But the difference between tiers for certain positions are different, namely with quarterback and tight end, where mm-hmm. with quarterback tier one to tier four, not that much different purely because of how many players can get it done. Tight end, tier one, the you know you're you're the Kittle, the Waller, the Kelsey. Those guys are in a league of their own. They are they are heads and shoulders ahead of everyone else, and you have to draft them as such. But once you get down to you know you got tier two, all right, tier three, oh goodness, and then tier four, maybe that that's it, it's it's about recognizing the tiers when you play. You don't yeah. draft according to a big board. You don't draft according to projected points you draft based on players available and taking them at the highest at, at the best point relative to their position yeah we and that's be, kind of my biggest part with that yeah we want to be taking like what we're really hitting um we're really hitting our stride in drafts when we're getting a lot of players that are the last one in their tier right so um that's kind of how you want to approach it like if you're between like okay do i take a quarterback or a running back here if there's like plenty of um quarterbacks left in that tier that you have and only one running back left in 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 their tier that and there are similar tiers to in in your opinion you want to take the running back so the tier-based drafting kind of helps you structurally kind of work your way through a draft um but um yeah and then another layer to the tier-based drafting that i'm going to help you guys out with is that you'll be able to see that upside within the tier to see who has the best chance of finishing at the tier above where i have them currently and one thing interesting about josh allen and patrick mahomes is this these tiers are value over replacement tiers at their core which means that um if you are taking these tiers as kind of like not position by position and you're just taking them based off of tiers you could do pretty well by just drafting off of this and trying to get the the last person in each tier and i think you'd end up with a pretty solid team um Probably not the best approach for like a tournament, um, but definitely a solid approach for a um, for a twelve team league, especially if you just want to kind of plug and play and you don't want to put a whole lot of work and you don't want to think too hard during your draft. Which I know there's plenty of people out there like that. But yeah, yeah super interesting. Short. Excited to uh, excited to write the article, and uh, we got a lot of cool stuff coming coming for you in the uh, the draft guide. What do you got for us in that draft guide? Anything anything no, I- uh, you're excited about? I mean, I have my redraft for a comic uh, guide coming out, which was 
avoid risk early, be stay water. But I obviously it's something you, you should really check out. I put a lot of work into it. I think it uh, I, I think it'll it, it applies to every fantasy owner, whether you're a common player or you're you know, you're just you're you're playing for the money type of thing. Um, but all in all, I think the, to sum this, you know, this this under the hood part up, attack upside in the later rounds. That's 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 a good tie to all of this. But um yeah, I think that's I think I think that's where we're gonna wrap it up. Um, yeah, this, this was a very fun show, uh, second edition of, you know, short yardage presented by for fantasy sake, you know, this a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Oh yeah. Um, any final remarks for you? Oh uh, yeah. Make sure you follow me at uh, run underscore the underscore Sims. I'm going to have uh, nuanced measured takes for, um, all of, uh, not all of, uh, the impossible, but a lot of the, uh, ridiculous headlines coming out of camp. Um, and like I said, really excited for the draft guide coming out early next week. All the uh, writers at for fantasy sake, um, QC.com, um, the one and only um, fantasy football source for the quad cities. I think I got that right. Um, yes, you did. But, uh, but yeah, we're excited. It's going to be a fun month. And um, um, thanks for tuning in, everybody. And uh, um, we'll see you next time. Yeah. Uh, my name is Michael Sicoli. You can follow me at Michael Sicoli. As simple as that. Um, you can follow uh, for fantasy sake. Just you know fsqc on twitter uh we name dropped the website right there we got divisional breakdowns coming through whole lot more we got merch you could buy on the shop there's it's really endless i suggest i strongly suggest check it out thank you for tuning in and this has been short yardage have a good night later